Hi there, welcome to Singing Our Way Home podcast. I am your host, Eva Popov, and in this podcast, we will be talking about wellness and creativity and how the two intersect and work together to make life a little sweeter and richer. Each episode features a new conversation with somebody about their creative practice so we can learn a little bit more about this thing we call creativity and how it can support us as we make our way through life. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I work and create this podcast, the Wurundjeri people, and to pay my respects. Sovereignty was never ceded and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I think clay gives you an opportunity or a different platform to share what you're thinking or feeling. And you can sit there and you can process your thoughts and you can put it out and through your work. In today's episode, I spoke with clay artist Carla Ruka. Carla is a sculptress who is a self-confessed mud addict. She's a member of Nga Kaihana Uku, the Maori Clay Artist Collective, and has toured around Aotearoa, sowing seeds of creativity through her work as a facilitator and teacher. She's a renowned artist in her own right, but she's also a kapahaka teacher, bringing song and Maori performing arts into primary schools. Our conversation was full of inspiring ideas about building community through the arts and about the healing powers of creating artwork. You can find out more about Carla's work at today's show notes at singingourwayhome.com where you can see her beautiful artwork. I hope you enjoy this conversation. We're talking today about creative practice and how creative practice supports us. And you are, amongst other things, a clay artist. Tell our listeners a little bit about what you create and your work as an artist. Sure. Um, So I work with ceramics. I (laughs) I love working with clay. I quite often admire and I admiringly tell people that I play with mud all day and it's the best thing ever. Um, clay is, oh, I just love it. Um, so I am a clay artist, um, but I do heaps of other things in my life to support my clay addiction. Uh, <laughs> so like I, I hold many other positions in the community and um, so other than creating artworks for myself and for the community, I run projects, um, my projects, uh, art-based projects, and I will take on projects mainly if they are a community builder or they have an impact on people or um, a cause. Those are the kind of projects I like to take on board. A community builder. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. I recently toured with Ceramics New Zealand, the Ceramics Association of New Zealand, and through Ceramics Association of New Zealand, and we were funded by Creative New Zealand, I was able to travel all through Aotearoa and teach a particular unique coiling technique that I had have um, established and created a curriculum around. But part of that project 
there was a negotiation where um, I was able to get some community outreach programs happening. And what that looked like is I was funded to go into schools or to community groups and talk about my life as an artist and, and my struggles and, <laughs> and my, my resilience, but also do a little workshop with each of those groups. But through those community outreach groups that I went and spent time with all these different people, those groups have linked into each other. They've also linked back to the pottery center that I worked with, and it's created all these new networks and new um, opportunities really. So like the schools that I visited are now linked in with the pottery centers and the pottery centers are now um, putting together things for holiday programs and, and like just an ongoing teaching happening and just kind of firing up all those old creative um, vibes that had kind of disappeared a little bit in some areas when that certain time came around where the, the schools actually started removing kilns from the premises due to OSH regulations and obviously lack of, um, lack of teachers that have that knowledge in firing. So you're a clay addict. I love that. Can you tell me a little bit about how this journey with creativity and clay began? Yes. Uh, I've, I've shared this all year and it used to be something I was quite embarrassed to talk about, but I feel that if I want to inspire anybody, people need to know. Um, I was not the best behaved young lady <laughs> when I was younger. And now that I'm older, obviously, I've figured out things like I went to a school in East Auckland where I think there were three Māori and Pacific Island students and I didn't fit in and they actually really made that obvious. Um, I just didn't fit in. The teachers were, not all teachers, but there were a few teachers that were just absolutely nasty. Um, but I... I signed myself out of school without anybody knowing and I went and joined a kapahaka, kind of like a, it's called Ponamu Training Systems, uh, run by Ngāpō and Pimia Wehi of Te Wakahuya. Um, they've sadly passed now, um, but they established this training systems tertiary where they supported urban Māori in an atmosphere that could kind of teach you who you are through kapahaka, through Māori performing arts. And I just, I, I left school and I started going to this school and I started learning about who I was and also feeling um, a little bit more supported in that I'm proud to be of Māori descent. And when I was with this group, they took us for a trip down to uh, Gisborne. And we stayed at Whangara in the Marae, where the Whale Rider movies filmed. Um, and we went to this art school called Toi Haukura, and I was just blown away. I, I went home and I said, oh, mum, I've been to this place and it's just so cool. And my parents were like, really? And they pretty much took me off down there for an interview and as soon as I got in they dropped me off on the doorstep of an uncle I'd never met before 
remember sitting there crying because my parents have left me um, on the doorstep of a random uncle who I'd never met. And it was actually the best thing I had ever done. Um, And I discovered ceramics. I, I played through all the arts and I just, it wasn't, it probably wasn't until a cup a year in when I met Ngākai Hangauku, which is the Māori clay artist collective, that I really thought, oh my gosh, I really like clay because we had Manos Nathan and We Taipa, uh, Colleen Wata Ulich, uh, and Bay Riddell, Paru Cornell. Everyone came in and we had this big fire out the back like quite literally right outside the door of our art studio and there's like flames and like people are rolling their clay in there and rolling it out and it's glowing and then they're picking up these glowing clay things and dropping it in water and it's and the colors are like and I was like I love it (laughs) I was like I'm a pyromaniac no I mean I'm a clay artist (laughs) maybe both (laughs) but um I just that was my sold sign. I saw, I, I experienced that time with those awesome people and that was it for me. I think since then I've just stuck with clay. How old were you at this time when you discovered this? That was on my 21st birthday because I decided to, do, I was at a clay wānanga instead of um, parting it up. What a magical gift. Yes, and it's good to have a birthday at a wānanga with famous artists. <laughs> oh, I got some really beautiful gifts that day. <laughs> mm. Love, um, do you still have them? I do, I do. Um, I, I think the one I treasure the most is a little um, petal pot from Manos Nathan. Oh, yes, he was my mentor, but he sadly passed away. And... Excuse my ignorance around this, but um, the School for Visual Arts, was this in traditional Māori visual arts? So it was in Māori art and design. Um, Not so much, it was contemporary, but we did learn about traditional Māori arts. It was actually such a good school because each kind of term would have a completely new experience of of a different art form. Like we had the weavers come in and the weavers would teach us um, all kinds of stuff about weaving. We did, we made pew-pew. We learnt some really amazing things. I'll never forget those particular things. We did like paper making, carving. If you can think of it, we did it. They, they, we were exposed to all kinds of art forms and we weren't, um, in a situation where we were, you know, controlled with what we had to do, we were given quite a free reign to to um, create. So it sounds to me from what you've been saying that um, from going from this school in East Auckland where being Māori you didn't feel welcome or accepted to being in a space um, that was that focused and empowered Māori through the arts was um, instrumental to shaping you as an artist? Yeah. Um, at my at my school in East Auckland, I actually failed art. And there were a few things that I thought about, you know, comments that teachers had made, which I take on board strongly because as a teacher myself, I want to make sure that those are words that 
I never ever say I remember someone saying to me oh why would you need to learn Māori or why would you what what do you think you how are you ever going to make any money if you're going to be an artist or you know comments like particular comments like that and I remember someone saying oh have you ever seen a a, a, a successful Māori artist and actually I know heaps of successful Māori artists I know quite a few but I, I remember that that time thinking of how easily swayed you could be um, if you actually listen to those people and listen to that, that that particular type of negative advice you know you never know what you could achieve but I think that I wouldn't be the way I am if I didn't have all those experiences I mean I've had quite a few challenges in life but I um, definitely feel like it's prepped me right now for this interview with you <laughs> no it's prepped me for life because I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't have gained all the knowledge that I needed to do to reach people, for instance, especially children um, that have had a hard time. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that because you do go into schools, you do do outreach, you do bring the clay magic to people who haven't had that experience. How has your experience changed how you approach it or informed how you approach it? Most recently, um, as you would know, I was working with Calston Intermediate. Calston Intermediate, and I went to the school and I um, I did a PowerPoint presentation where I talked about who I am and what 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 I what I was doing, um, and every single class received the information differently, and at the end the questions are different. And so after that class, we did a workshop where I taught them how to make flutes, and that was like really cool uh, the kids didn't know they were making flutes so they're making these things and then they're putting them together and then and then just before the class is finishing they realize oh my gosh it's a flute <laughs> so like they're having the best time ever but the delivery of information to children or to any class is completely different I had to rewrite I quite often write big notes to make sure my classes run really well and at the end of these little uh, flute workshops, we selected 24 students to do an exhibition with larger scale works. So I took those 24 students and we had a female group and a male group um, of 12 each. And I worked with both of those classes and those classes taught me that I had to re <laughs> rewrite those plans again. It was so completely I my teaching I think it must have upskilled itself because when it came to the boys they were all in there and rah and there's like honestly clay everywhere I think there was clay on the ceiling um and then when it came to note taking no note taking <laughs> they were maybe a bit visual um but then when it came to the girls they were all about the notes and there was not a clay thing out of place 
everything was tidy, tidy. And but they received the information differently. They liked to hear the step by steps, and the, and the boys, they just wanted to put their hands in the clay and watch visually. Yeah, and I was lucky enough to be able to go to the exhibition um, of what was created, and what struck me was the individuality of each work created, but also the little statement of each artist referring to their lineage and their background and having a way of connecting with that, with their hands, with their creative work, with the shapes that they made. Did you, What was that process like to watch? I, they are actually really inspiring. And each day after working with them, I'd go home with such a strong sense of joy because I can still picture some of the students bouncing around going, I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud of myself. Trying to get them to come up with their own individuality is also quite a challenge. When they realised they could actually, um, it was all about them, I think that kind of got them all excited as well. One young lady, she designed full-on heaps of stuff that was all about different things and about stories and then when she got her clay she started putting holes in and I watched her and this is where you see things like it's like a therapy um, a repetitive process of of just going through something she worked on that piece and she did that for hours not communicating with anyone in her own world just plugging away and then when she'd finished she was like (laughs) she was just she took a step back and she's looking at what she's doing and she's just like fully satisfied she's gone and then she said I'm finished (laughs) and I was like that's brilliant did you want to put any colors on it yes (laughs) I actually remember this piece in particular I just remember the statement that said I was inspired by the holes in my piece I thought it was Gorgeous. This brings me to a bit of um, a question about how you communicate with the clay or the work that is being created and that relationship as an artist. When I'm working with clay, I feel very connected with clay. I feel, and when I'm teaching in a classroom, I feel like when I'm in the middle of the room, that I'm connected to all the artworks in the room. I have a strong sense of almost like relationship with clay. And when I'm working with my clay personally, I think of Hine Ukurangi, who is our clay deity. And when I'm making something, we're making something together. Hine Ukurangi and I, we're making something together. And that's how I feel about when we're working. We've got a respectful relationship where we look after each other and then she helps me to create my 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 work do you share that with the people you work with I share that with some people not everyone can receive the same information I share that with people that I feel will understand that or if they want to understand me but I only if it will benefit them and as an artist who you've travelled across Aotearoa teaching. Is the clay sourced from a particular place? Does it matter where the clay is sourced from? I don't think so. People ask me this all the time um, um, because one of my favourite clays is from Australia. 
Feenies, Raki Red, <laughs> Walker Ceramics. <laughs> um, that's my most favorite clay. Um, and the reason being is because my workshops are usually quite short, short um, I need to be able to achieve quite a lot in a short amount of time. That particular clay is very forgiving, um, highly grogged. But a few years ago, um, people would say, oh, it's Australian clay, don't tell anyone. <laughs> because I feel that people believe if you're doing Māori ceramics, then you should be using Māori clay, sourced from Māori land or something particular like that. But as I see whenua or the earth, um, Papatua Nuku is our earth mother. And it doesn't matter where you source that clay from, it's still from Papatua Nuku. So I, yeah, but I love working with any clay. Um, it depends what the surface, you know, design or what you want to achieve or to particular type of way that you want to build. Those are going to define what kind of clay that you need to use. You mentioned this before when you were speaking about the students working with the clay, um, about it being therapeutic, and you've got that beautiful statement in your um, bio that says, clay is my therapy. Can you tell me a little bit about the therapeutic aspects of working with clay? I think clay gives you an opportunity or a different platform to share what you're thinking or feeling. And you can sit there and you can process your thoughts and you can put it out and through your work comes comes out from your from your head your heart and your mind and your body and as you're working and you're thinking about all these things it just comes out into an art piece and then you can take it in or you can get rid of it um, I can see art pieces that I've made from years ago that I remember exactly how I felt when I made those pieces and some of them I was really sad I was in different different situations and I do remember looking at, at different works feeling a deep sense of sadness and I did think of this actually not that long ago because I remember explaining to someone um, that my original series uh, so I have a series of works called the Māori Angels series and that particular series came about because when I was younger I had quite a few friends die from suicide and I actually didn't know how to process that very well. And so I used to draw angels. And then when I went to study at Toihokura, I started making angels because I wanted to have Māori angels because I couldn't find any online or um, there were anahira puno, which is the Māori angels, but no images. So I wanted to make my own. But so that's kind of, that's where that particular design kind of came from and when I was making those pieces I do remember feeling that deep grief and now when I make them that grief's not there and I realized throughout the years all those different pieces that I put out there and I made and I was feeling like this and I put it out there that was actually processing putting it out there and slowly over time those things don't affect me so deeply anymore they'll always be there but it I'm able to get it off my chest I've seen it work through other people too I've seen people who have gone through deep hurt making things um, especially in a group that I work with in Gisborne I saw 
uh, my students working through some really hard times and working and putting it into their work. It's just so healing to, for, and it's, it's great for me to see that they're able to find a way to, to let go of some hurt, put it into their work. In the process of creating and teaching, is there a sharing with the people in the room as well or is the clay the main place where the healing happens? I think it just happens internally and I don't think anyone will realise until later. I share my story and I'll choose what to share with different people but I share my story when I feel that it can affect or support somebody else or help them to also be okay with what's happening. But I can't necessarily teach unless someone knows my truths. So I, I share my, my, my part and if students want to share their part, they can too. And quite often they'll take me aside and they'll talk to me about particular things. But it sounds like in that conversation... It's not like you go into like, here's our clay. We're going to talk about the things that are hard in life. Let's put them in here. That, that actually through that dialogue with the clay itself, through the making and the creative process. Ah, oh, so what you mean. Um, well, we in my class, we talk about concepts because I have this big rule. We're not making other people's work because quite often you'll get someone that turns up and they'll go like, oh, they'll bring something from the warehouse and they'll say, I want to make this. And then I'm going to cast it and I'm going to make a hundred of them. <laughs> and, I'm, and I think in my head, ha, 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 that's not happening. <laughs> um, but concepts, and even for adults or established um, potters for years, can sometimes be the biggest and hardest thing to come across, like to, to create. And so I have a big section in classes about concepts. And I open up the opportunity for people to put themselves in their work. And by sharing myself and my work, um, when I can, I'll take an art piece and I'll pull it all apart, um, like on a whiteboard. Okay. <laughs> I'll draw, <laughs> I'll draw it up on a whiteboard. I thought that and was then pretty I'll... brave and courageous to pull your artwork <laughs> apart in front of your skins. <laughs> well, I put it up on. I'll draw it up so that they can see it, and I'll go. This is how this happened, and I'll pull all the pieces apart. Um, and then put them back together and I'll say, well, this is this is the Māori Angel series has that shape because actually the shape is the wings of an angel, which has a kōrawai covered over it. So I give them all the things that I really love and and how I've created something. And I put it into the image and they'll go, wow, oh, I get it. I get it. I get how you put, I see, I see how you've put all of that in there. And then I turn it back. I say, okay, what do you like? Are all your cups in your house round or tall? Um, you know, start thinking about these things that can help you with your shape. What colours do you collect at home? Um, all those kind of things. And, and be selfish. What about you? <laughs> all, all those little things. And not everything has to be uh, like a visual copy. Like um, I quite often have things like, if I have triangles in my work, it's a reference to Colleen Ehrlich. Uh, if I have lizards, it's a reference to, sometimes depending on which, which design it is, it's a reference to Manos Nathan. If I've, sometimes I've made my work blue so I can reference Manos. Um, or, you know, so just kind of symbolic imagery as well and how, how you can use symbolic imagery. Mm. Hmm. 
And I guess that really kind of brings you to a question of what is a design that comes, I guess, from your mind or your imagination? And what is the improvisation of what happens in the making process and how those two sit together? I don't discourage improvisation. If you want to improvise, as long as, and my students have asked me, I'll say, I don't mind it as long as you're not doing it because you don't have control of your play. Because people let, there's quite often that comment of, oh, the clay wanted to go this way, so he went that way. Um, But for me, I think it's a message to say, hey, let's look at why our clay is doing this and how can we work with our clay to actually build your dreams. Work together to build your dreams. That's so in, in my classes and in my own practice, uh, your design is your final product because it also helps me to see where my students need help. If they start changing their design because they can't get that shape, then how am I going to improve their building skills so they can build their dreams? That sounds like it's about clay and it also sounds like advice that you could apply to life in some way as well. <laughs> oh, if, if only we did that. <laughs> Have the design and build your dreams. I, I love it. Yes, build your dreams. You've spoken about the Māori Angel series. Are there any pieces of work that are closest to your heart that feel particularly special or powerful in your work as an artist I think I have that relationship with my work when I'm feeling it Um, and then just like how you grow as a person my mindset changes and then I have a connection to another work Um, I think this work that I'm haven't made yet is going to be my next love (laughs) my next love I think uh, the most recent work I made that was I think very impactful is Hiwa Iterangi, and she's part of the Māori Angel series as well, and is in the collection of the Courts Museum, which is in Wanganui, with Rick Rudd. That particular piece has such a strong energy. What um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the energy from that piece of work. So Hiwa Iterangi she is about i think she's about a meter tall and made with a with a the phoenix red clay and coated in the berry brickle clay um so w- sometimes when i work with my pieces i will use paints and colors of things that were quite important to me and my relationship with driving creek railway with berry brickle uh, it's quite important to me and there's a few strong friendships I made with the people down there. And so I've painted this particular work with the Barry Brickle terracotta. Um, she also has water from my dad's waterfall and all the colours that are made from. So she has like a handprint with black and um, I've made that black with the water from my dad's waterfall that he used to collect water from as a child. And there's something really powerful about the places that you are connected to, B, 
being in the work itself. Yeah, I feel even more connected to works when I do things like that with them. I haven't had an experience of making something with land or fenor or that sort of connection or intergenerational connection, but I can imagine the combination of dream, design, imagination and lineage or, you know, that connection of your father. The word that comes to me is integration. It's sort of bringing together so many things in a really powerful way. I do a lot of symbolic things. Hiwaiterangi has a handprint and the little finger is kind of looks like it's something's happening to it. And in Māori carving, if you were a carver, you lost your little finger. And it was a, and so like you'll notice some sculptures, like some carved sculptures will have only three fingers and a thumb. And that was about symbol, the symbolicness of becoming a tohunga in carving or a, a prestigious carver. I kind of put that on there because I felt like I'm going in the next level of my work with like firstly helping like designing a new curriculum about how to coil so I've redesigned a technique that I think is absolutely foolproof that can teach anybody um, the technique of hand building using coiling and I think the next step and the next level of that which is part of that symbolism on that piece is sharing it I want everybody to be addicted to clay <laughs> I want everybody to um, build big stuff like me and have a good time and um, make stuff just make lots of stuff I love that so much and um, one of the questions I ask all the people that I interview is as an artist as a creator as a facilitator and a teacher there is so much output in your life. What do you do in order to care for yourself or to support yourself as you bring this work into the world? Oh, it's really important to look after yourself. Um, I actually did an art piece on looking after yourself. <laughs> it's called The Crux because it came to a point uh, at one stage I got really ill and I was so ill I actually couldn't look after my child properly and I had to take a step back and I had to look after myself because if you don't look after yourself you can't look after anybody else when I left art school I was like I'm going to be an artist I'm going to do lots of artwork and I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and I wrecked my hands and I couldn't do anything with my hands and I think over the 20 Three years I've been working with clay, I've damaged my hands three times where I couldn't do anything. My ha I'd wake up and my hands would be like rolled up into fists and curled down and I'd have to slowly unravel them in the morning and I couldn't do my buttons up or cut vegetables with a knife, um, tying up laces, playing the guitar because I also teach kapahaka on a Friday. So all of those things... Um, so that's one thing um, but the other thing is um, having that uh, drain um, and you know filling your own kete was, was a particular comment that Māori used to like to say um, fill your kete like which means to you know restock yourself and 
<clears throat> I get my inspiration from being out in nature um, and I go out and I'll, my phone is just full of images of like close-up trees, <laughs> leaves, shadows, the light hitting things, shells, anything that I just think, wow, that's just incredible. And then usually it's followed with, how can I put that in my work? <laughs> so I go out and I get all these images, I click them back and I'll look at them. And it just inspires me for textures or designs for my work. Um, so like filling your mind up, your kete as well with what makes you you. And the best way to kind of, when I'm talking to students about it is like, have you ever come to that point where, oh, I've got an artist block. I can't do anything. My mind's not working. I can't create anything at the moment. I'm going to have a rest day so I can have my artist block disappear. I'm going to watch Netflix. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat what I want to eat. I'm not going to go out. Don't call me. Um, but actually, you're not filling your kitty up. You're not restocking yourself. So finding out who you are and what you really enjoy doing and looking at and what keeps you like vibrant and going to do that making sure that you make time a lot of people say i don't have time make time if it's important to you make time for it i want to ask a little bit about kapahaka and how that fits into your creative life <laughs> because that's a very different form of creative expression in itself oh yes um i've been teaching kapahaka for how long seven years i when my daughter went to wakaranga school they had no tutors and because my daughter had come from a kohanga reo or a maori language early childhood center when she went to her primary school there was nothing to support her her maori language and so for me to be there it was a way for me to still um, encourage her maori development so i set up and i started teaching kapahaka there um, which has been a beautiful relationship i mean i'm still there um, and it's it's actually a lifetime commitment that I've made not necessarily just for the school but to this area because when when I spoke to you earlier about what it was like growing up in East Auckland that was actually that is actually a really strong feeling that is slowly not it's still there that particular feeling is still there in the East Auckland area so um, I've been at the school and I think of my part in the school as like a pebble drop and that that pebble drop's going to ripple out to make an effect further down the line. So I go to the school, I teach the kids. And when I first went to the school uh, seven years ago, I had a group of 40 kids and they ended up being a very, very good group in, in a very short amount of time. This group of 50 kids, the next, I think it was even the next year, turned into 120 kids. 
So this is a group that where you get to choose if you want to be in kapahaka or not. So then we had 120 kids. And then those 120 kids, I would take them to like the museum so they could see the kapahaka group. I'd take them up to the marae and hawak so they could see um, the marae and visit the people there. And the marae, by the way, um, which is all Wairua marae, when I was younger, was burnt down through arson purposefully, um, as most arsons are. So this is kind of the idea of what this area is kind of like. Now, this group of 120 kids then were going home and, and sharing all their stuff with their families. And then the next thing you know, their parents are like, we want a junior group because I was only doing seniors. We want a junior group. We want a junior group now. <laughs> but what's important to know is that a lot of those parents who are demanding this junior group are actually a lot of the kids that I went to school with, right? So can you see how this is kind of how important it is to plant these really good positive seeds about Māori culture in the schools and it's proper information, not misconceived, um, just beautiful stuff about our culture. I share it with the children, children share it with their families and I'd have kids come up to me and go, fire Carla, I took my mum to the marae. She was scared, but I told her it's all right because I've been here before, so we're tanga te whenua now. <laughs> so it was really, so all of that has kind of gone out into the community. And so this is why this particular work with the school is something that I have actually shifted my whole life and workforce around because I mean, I'm a solo parent and I worked at Wakaranga School now for seven years. I've never been able to take a full-time job um, because I wanted to keep my Friday. Um, and so I've just, because of its importance in the community, I've just always kept it. Mm. And these 120 kids, they're not all Māori kids, are they? No. Oh, no. No. No, I think... I think there was two Māori in that. It was something very minuscule when I first went in that first group, and it's kind of cute because the the Māori kids in there, one my one, she's like, she looks European with blue eyes, blonde hair. <laughs> Not anymore. Her hair's gone dark, but like, it's such a multicultural group, and that's what this area is like. Very diverse cultures. But Kapahaka can be a welcoming space where oh, yeah. the culture and the songs, waiata, can be shared and celebrated. Yes, yeah, and they love it. They love it so much. We we've had some really good leaders in our group, and I, I think a few of my favourites. Um, it was a young Malaysian boy, and man, he could belt out the haka. He was great. <laughs> he was so great. I miss him actually. I miss all of my students. They always come and say hello to me when they see me, though, which is nice. I got chills when you told me just that whole story about just how the impact one person can make. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like you've been sharing this throughout our whole interview, but I'm wondering if you have any particular words of advice for young artists wanting to find their voice and creative practice. I think there's an importance of knowing who you are. Know who you are. Find out what you love doing. 
funny. It's actually really funny how many people don't know what they love doing. What do you love doing? When was the last time you cracked up laughing? Or, you know, felt that massive sense of joy where you're just like giggling to yourself? You know, when, when was the last time that happened? And what is it that makes you so happy? Find out who you are. And I think that's the beginning step for an artist. To find out who you are. And it sounds like an easy thing, but actually it's a really difficult thing to do in real life. I've actually had that in feedback. <laughs> in the feedback, I really didn't realise how hard it was to find out how, who you were, was one of the comments. Yeah, I, I, I feel that I'm still on that journey of finding that out. Yeah, find out who you are. Once you put time into yourself, you'll be amazed at you know what will come out. And try everything. That's another one. Try everything. Take up all those opportunities. Give it a go. Jump out the plane. <laughs> a great way to find out who you are is just by seeing what you like and don't like by doing it. Exactly. And what is your greatest hope for your work? It's funny. My focus isn't on my work, uh, my artwork. My All my um, goals are actually set around community building and my ambition is to create a nicer, like a better bridge between Indigenous ceramics and mainstream and make everybody addicted to clay. <laughs> and it sounds like you're working to create awareness and community and understanding and planting seeds yes. or uh, <laughs> other metaphor, which I love, the throwing the pebbles and creating the ripples. Yeah, the pebble. I have a pebble from a, a pottery community in Astoria. And that's where I always think of it. I have it on my light switch. So every morning when, or every night when I flick off my light, I can see this pebble, which is a pebble that represents community. And that pebble, when you drop it and those ripples and how it affects everybody and the continuing ongoing effects, that's, ah, that just makes me feel so good. I love that. I love that mm. so much. Thank you, Carla, so much for speaking with me today for all the amazing work that you are doing and creating. It's been wonderful. Thank you for listening to Singing Our Way Home. You can find out more about Carla at her website or in today's show notes, which will be posted online. As always, Love to hear your feedback, love to hear about your creative work and what you would like to learn more about, so get in touch. Singingourwayhome.com is the website where you can find us on the socials. Have a lovely week, beautiful people, and I look forward to being with you again next time for another conversation about creativity and well-being.